you know, people that write songs, I've heard songwriters say that they, um, they'll they get a thought, a thought or a line or anything, and they write it on a sticky note, and they stick it on their walls. And I've seen people that write songs professionally, actually, where their whole wall was nothing but sticky notes. And then they go through and they pick little phrases from all those sticky notes to make a song. because, And that's kind of how my brain works. And if they come with a, up with a message, it might be something I wake up, something wakes me up at four in the morning and I have to jot these two things down or whatever. And then some, most, sometimes you, you jot something down, then you go back to look at it. It doesn't make any sense at all. It only made sense for that moment when your brain actually worked for a minute. And that's kind of how I operate. Yeah, that's good. Um, what's that? Well, most of that stuff goes in my little office that I have now. I have an office at home now instead of <clears throat> out in the garage. Actually, I'm out in the garage with the mice and rats. Um, let's pray and then we'll start. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. To us, for your mercy, for your grace, uh, for your forgiveness, for just, man, the list can go on. And we just thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Hold on. Am I being recorded or is this streaming? It's red. Ah, okay. It's good that I'm wearing dark clothes so they're a little more slimming. Um, anyway, I, I wanted to start with um, um, just a brief update on Jesse, and um, um, this is a video that I think I've already played here once or twice, but it's been a year or so. It's an old video, but it shows the safe house, and it shows the girls, and I think probably everybody has seen it, but I want to do it as a kind of a refresher. It's only about three minutes long, and um, and just as you look at it, there's, the, the video was actually made, it was pieced together and, and made for for promotional thanks to some of the corporate sponsors in that area. So that's why there's a zoom in on a bottle of cleaner or something, you know, and um, and it's, you know, highlights a couple of things like that. And you all have seen it, I think. But um, um, all the girls that are residents, they're not there now. Well, some, maybe a couple of them are still there, but most of them are, have graduated. But they um, their their faces are blurred out, so you can't see their identity. But it just I always like to look at it because it's a reminder. I mean, these girls, these girls have been, you know, they've been they've been drugged, they've been raped, they've been assaulted in every possible way, and then they've been freed, whether they escaped on their own or or what. But they got set free, and they they you know they made it to. Uh, someone who assigned them to the safe house where Jesse works, and um, um, uh, but the road for them ultimately for us the road for them is to come to Christ. When they come into the safe house, they don't know Christ. They might have been introduced to Christ somewhere along the line, but you have to kind of assume that no, they've never received Christ. They don't know who He is. Some of them have tribal backgrounds because we're talking South Africa, so some of them 
have uh, Zulu or, or uh, Kosi, or there's so many different tribes. And so, um, uh, but I like to watch it. I watch it actually more often than you might think. Partially because, yeah, my son, my daughter-in-law, and grandchildren are down there. But also partly because it's the reminder of our end end goal in what we do. And and you, when you see the end of it, you see them worshiping, you know, singing together outside around a something and worshiping. And so I'm supposed to check the volume on this thing, aren't I? You got it? All right. Thank you. Go ahead and just run it and we'll just watch it real quick.
And so you kind of see that's the end result. I don't know why I always get choked up. Anyway, maybe it's because I've been there. I don't know. But I've uh, been at that place. But, and it's interesting. It's just, you know, they, we don't circulate the, the video and the pictures and things. We don't circulate it online and because uh, of safety issues. And it's frustrating for, for Jesse and the family down there because this lockdown has been it's almost a year now. And the lockdown has been extremely tight. They've not been able to, you know, it's frustrating because the traffic goes on. But they're, they're stuck with this government crackdown. And it's military and forced. I mean, it's not like here. There was five months where uh, they couldn't step out on the street. Uh, and then they paid neighbors to report you if you were out on the street. So there was five full months where Emily never left the house with five kids. And, uh, yeah, and uh, not a very big, I mean, it's not like a big house. You know, it's not a not like a house in Newburgh or somewhere, you know. And, um, uh, and so, um, or like we're used to here, bigger homes. And so. Uh, but they, um, um, so it's been really frustrating for him. And, and Jesse can get out and move around some because he has a pass from it that's been issued by the uh, Board of Health. So he can get out. And so he's usually, and now they're back in a strong, pretty strong crackdown again. And um, they just sneak around. You know, they have uh, neighbors. They have some neighbors that they connect with. And when nobody's watching, they'll sneak across the street and go hang out at their house for a little while with the kids or back in the forest. And, <laughs> they have to find ways of, of entertaining themselves, you know. And uh, but it's been frustrating for them because they haven't been able to move forward. Um, the, a lot of the government offices are closed as they need for inspections and licensing and stuff like that. And it's just been very frustrating for them. It's frustrating for them. So you need to keep them lifted up in prayer. And I know it's been another. They plan to come home and for two months in May. Because um, it'll be it's been it'll be a year and a half again. Uh, since they've been back in the states, so anyway, I uh, just um, wanted to show that because that's you know this is this is a ministry that uh, this Calvary Chapel supports. They're in Cape Town, South Africa. Yeah, they call it Western Cape, and um, um, and of course the the economy is bad there because you know South Africa, especially Western Cape and Cape Town, depend heavily on tourism. So most of the, the that group of people that were sitting around the living room, that was a staff meeting that involved social workers and, and nurses and and some uh, uh, volunteer staff. Most of the, most of the staff are European, um, um, and um, yeah, a lot. There's several Swiss, um, um, Irish, English. Um, Auss- there's some Aussies that are there, as and um, as well, and. Um, and the staff, but, but it's a you know it's an operation that goes on 24 hours a day. You have to have house you have to have a house parent, um, and, you know. And um, um, uh, you know Jesse said that you know the the kids are so emotionally damaged that the the residents they might be 30 years old, but it's really like having a bunch of undisciplined six year olds, <laughs> and because they just they've got so far to go. And it, he says it really he feels like it takes two years. You know, two years before they're ready to leave, because you know they need to be, learn how to do something else. And a lot of time, it's been their family that's sold them into trafficking, too. And um, with the promise, somebody comes and promises their child uh, a good education and uh, a great job, 
you know, um, just move to the city, and and um, they get caught up in that because they want the best for their kid, and they let them go, and then they're never heard from again. And that's kind of how that uh, works there. But anyway, um, we're going to get on with this. It's a combination, really. Um, the one I'm most familiar with is Zulu. But there's Zulu and there's Kasi. I think it's pronounced. I don't, you know, I butcher the pronunciations, but there's there's several different, there's so many different tribes in South Africa and there's these different languages. But English, a lot of times, still transcends. They still, a lot of them still do speak some English as well. The, the song that we listen to, uh, that's a modern worship song, isn't it? Um, I think, I, I should know, and it's, I think it's done in Kasi. Yeah, I don't know if it's a Hillsong song or what it is, but um, I've heard it. Yeah, I like hearing it in the, that language. It's what's that? Oh, is it? Yeah, I I actually don't. I think I've heard it more times that way. Yes. You know the song? Yes. What is it? It's called A Wonderful Name by Hillsong. It's a Wonderful Name by Hillsong? Yes. Oh, thank you. She probably is absolutely right. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to make everybody feel bad today. Because in order to feel, you have, in order to feel good, you gotta feel bad, right? Yeah. So, um, so we're gonna go to, uh, we're gonna go First Corinthians chapter six, and kind of set a, maybe set something here. Um, do you remember? Yeah, any Star Trek fans in here? Do you remember the movie? I think it was uh, The Wrath of Khan, where Spock sacrifices himself in that chamber, and he puts his hand up to the and he says to 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 uh, Kirk, "What's he say?" He says, "Remember." And I've always thought that was so good because we need to remember, remember, you know, we need to remember. What kind of people we once were? We need we need to remember those kind of things as before we were believers. And I think we get, I know as older Christians, as we've been Christians for a long, I've gotten in the I've gotten to where I feel like, I, I think okay, everybody is where I'm at spiritually, and they're not, you know. But it's kind of my own little self deception when I'm talking to somebody. Maybe I don't know how they've grown up. I don't know how much they've been in the church. I don't know if they went to a church that taught the word. They word they say claim to know Christ, but do they know? I'm assuming that they know that they're where I'm at. It's kind of a well. You've been a Christian for 40 years. You should be where I'm at. Of course, I should be a lot farther along than that. <laughs> but but um, um, so I I um, just think that. It's important. So we're going to look real quick at this verse, these three verses here. And um, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
do not be deceived. Neither will, and I'm not picking on the people, on these people groups. I'm just reading it. All right, that's because that's not the point of this. Neither uh, do not deceive. Neither fornicators, adulterers, uh, idolaters, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sacrificed but you were justified in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it's and he goes on to say, remember what kind of says, remember what kind of people you once were. And I think sometimes as we go along in our Christian life, we forget where we came from. And um and um it's important, it's important to remember our history and um and and where we came from as a um, as a people, as a culture, it's important to remember the good stuff and the bad stuff. Don't dwell on it, but I think because we're told to not look at in the scripture, you know, Paul told us to forget what lies behind, but press on forward. But sometimes we still have to remember, and I think we have to own it. <laughs> we have to own our we have to own our sin, and um, now we get, don't get hung up there, but we need to own it. Because and when you own it, if you own it, you can confess it. You can't confess it till you own it, till you see it and own it. And I think that's if Bob calls and says he wants to have lunch with me this week, I'll know I'm in trouble because we don't have lunch together. So, um, no, we haven't since COVID. I don't think have we. We used to get together once every couple of weeks or two or three or four and eat Mexican. You want Chinese? Oh. And um, so I like things like um, the old, like the Ten Commandments. I love the Ten Commandments because I break them every day. And, and if, you know, I mean, let's just look at the Ten Commandments. Let's go to Exodus 20 for a minute. We're going to go all over the road. I can be faithful, I'll be faithful to my nature, and I will shoot that shotgun, blast all over the room. Um, so God spoke these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, I probably mess that one up every day. You know, you go to Psalm 20, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. You know, but but for me, I trust in the Lord. But at the same time, all those horses and chariots and all those things are just idols. You know, and we go back to here. We shall have no other gods before me. You shall make for yourself, you shall not make for yourself any carved images or the likeness of anything that's in heaven above that is on earth beneath or that is in the water below. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generation of, of those who hate me. Hmm. And showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my command. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold your guiltless you him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and do not and keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and work, but the seventh you will rest, and on and on and on. And uh, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I probably, you know, and I look at that and I think, some of it's just little silly, trivial things, you know, but I don't know of anybody that can honestly say they can keep the Ten Commandments in a day. Maybe if you take some sleeping pills and just sleep all day, you know. <laughs> and so, and I love that because it, it, it helps me to remember who I am and my need of, of Christ. And it's just by grace. It's grace. Uh, somebody in the Calvary chain always tag, had a little tag on their emails that said something like, everything is grace. I don't remember who. Maybe it's not there anymore. I think it came out of somebody from New Beginnings who used to post on this Calvary chain that said everything is grace. And always kind of, phrase kind of irritated me. But, and in some ways, it is. Everything is grace. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast. I said that, twisted that around a little bit. But, but it is by grace that we're saved through faith. And so... What I love about things like the Ten Commandments and some other teachings in the New Testament is that you can't keep it. And it's just a reminder of God's grace and God's mercy and His and His goodness to us. There's a song. It's real popular right now. It's one of the few songs on Christian radio I like. Uh, Holy Water. And... It's by uh, a group called The Kingdom. And I'm really fussy about songs and how they're written and performed and everything like this. And I heard this band called The Kingdom. And then I, I, and it was this song called Holy Water. And I looked it up because it was composed and written well, better, weller, better than, weller. It It was composed and written better than most of the stuff on Christian radio. And so I looked up who these people were. And, ha, ha, ha. It's a family of professional songwriters. They've written stuff for Crowder and all these other artists to perform. And so they decided they're going to start doing some of their own stuff. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's the Cash family, but it's no relation to Johnny Cash. But it's Cash. It's like a, uh, three siblings in it, I think, something like that. And anyway, there's a line in the song that says, What's it say? Right at the end, and they repeat it several times. Because I forgot. <laughs> and this is totally a sidebar. I don't look it up on my phone. Is it your? No, it's towards the end. It's your grace that. It's the, your grace is the only thing that makes me want to change. And I thought, wow, that is such a great thought. Your grace is the only thing that makes me want to change. And um, and I know that's true for me. Some people, it really, I think, probably depends on their personality. I'm not sure where Nina would, would that would be something that she would latch on to because her personality is not like mine, you know. But um, what? What about mom? 
she will tattle on me. And I have to be very careful what I say. Dad, my mom, dad said this. Um, but it, our, your grace is the only thing that makes me want to change. And I think oh, that's such a good thing. And it, and it really is. It's, to me, it is. And maybe it has been that way for everybody. When we see what he has done in his grace and his mercy for us, who can't even keep from telling a little fib or whatever throughout the day, you know, we just, you know, to me, it's just proof. Exodus is, you know, the, the, you know, we don't have to, you know, Jesus becoming our ultimate sacrifice to cover all of these sins. We don't have to go out and burn a goat or anything. That's praise God. They'd put us in jail now if we sacrificed a goat. <laughs> it's a good thing. Animal <laughs> cruelty. Anyway, that's a totally a sidebar there. So Jeremiah seventeen nine, it goes. He says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? And then if you look like it, let's say, let's take a look at Luke 18, 13, the, the, the tax collector. And it's just, just one verse. You don't have to look it up if you don't want to. Um, the tax collector, and he said, and the tax collector stood afar off, would not, and the tax collector standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He saw his sin. He saw it. And he owned it. And he called on the Lord. We can go down to, um, man, we can pull from Old Testament, New Testament. We can pull even the godless kings who saw God for who he was and tore their clothes and, and fell prostrate on the floor because they saw that God was holy and they saw they saw their sin. Simon but Simon answered and said, this is Luke 5, 8. So, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Oh, by the way, I used to, when I was a kid and I'd go fishing, I'd always pretend. Well, I'm not catching anything over here. And I pretend that the Lord has told me to reel it in and put it over here. <laughs> you know, and... and uh, but I did. I remember doing that when I probably was only seven or eight years old. I was with, like fishing with my grandpa or something like that. And I would tell him, I, I, you know, we'd be out on the Ohio River, and uh, and I'd tell him, I said, well, Poppy, we need to put our lines in on the other side, you know, and, and God will get us late. It didn't really work that way, but and but it didn't. We didn't catch any. No, we didn't. No, spam is spam. It doesn't matter which side you throw it in. And uh, my grandfather fished with spam. Because he put up trot lines and jugs and all that stuff, and he had to have a lot of bait. So we just he he carve carve off the sla- spam and spam and little chunks and put it on the hooks, and he'd eat one. And that stuff, that all is nasty. He fried it up and covered it with enough cheese. It wasn't too bad, but um, anyway. <laughs> and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they singled, signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
He saw the miraculous, and the miraculous showed him his own lack. You know, and he saw his sin, and he saw his sin. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Well, that's irresponsible. How irresponsible was that? To just leave the business and follow Jesus. I've known some people that have done that. And if the Lord was in it, it, the Lord provided and it worked. But uh, yeah, I can sure imagine the people in the town really complaining about that. Those people following that crazy Nazarene carpenter, Joseph's kid. Anyway, um, they saw their sin and they saw their sin. The Philippian jailer is another example of that, you know. Um, um, he saw the miraculous, and the miraculous uh, showed, you know, reflected on his own lack. And he said, "What can I do to be saved?" And he and his whole ha- household got saved. And so, it's again, we have to see our sin. How many of us remember when we saw our sin and and received Christ? Was there that point where any of you? It was for me. It was like all of a sudden this door opened and the, you know and I in this like this like an envelope almost you know I always thought it was like like you know there's an envelope in time when this when these our spaceships and stuff have to enter at a certain time if they don't come through that they miss their opportunity or if they miss it they they burn up well maybe that's a bad one but but um. But it was kind of like that. I remember it was like this opening. It was like this. It opened for me, and I saw my need for Christ. I walked through that door. And I don't know whether if I don't, you know, I always thought back, what if I'd have waited? What if I'd have waited for another window of opportunity? Would there have been another window of opportunity? We'd think there would have been, but yet that was the window of opportunity for me, and it changed their life. And a lot of us got saved I don't know how many people got saved in here during the Jesus movement. It was an interesting time. And most of us did reach that point where we saw our lack. We saw who we were. You know, we saw how bad we were. And, that, you know, we saw our bad here, our good over here, and we turned to Christ. And um, so... Page two of my notes. Oh, one of my obviously one of my favorites is the thief, the thief at the cross. And um, in uh, Luke twenty three thirty two, I think that's right. Then one of the criminals who were hanging blasphemed him, saying, "If you are the Christ." Save yourselves and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, saying, Do not 
Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into my kingdom. Jesus said, Surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And it's just another, you know, he saw his sin. One of the things that concerns me today in in our churches and how we approach Bible teaching and everything else, we don't give people opportunity to see their sin in so many ways. It's just it's becoming a Christian becomes cultural, has become cultural. Like you're a cultural Christian. You're some people are are cultural Jews, you know, or they're Jewish by ancestry, but they are but they follow and they may even follow the holidays, but they it's they're cultural or traditional. Well, what would it be? Cultural or traditional, or what would it be called? You know what I'm, I think you know what I'm saying. You, you know, you people attend. You know, people today attend church. They claim to be Christian, but they don't look. They don't act. They don't vote. Uh, nominal. You know, we just raised. I'm just was raised Christian. I see this more and more and more. And um, um, Find my sticky notes. So we see it, and we say it. Romans ten nine and ten says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord, believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. For it's with the heart one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses unto salvation. I believe that's pretty close, and um, which really kind of says it sums it up in a nutshell, really, the, the see it, say it, believe it. I saw this sermon title. I kind of, I didn't plagiarize the sermon, but I did plagiarize the title. And we were at a church in, um, out of town a while back, and we went to this church. It wasn't a Calvary, um, very cal- similar vibe as a Calvary. And um, um, the pastor's sermon was see it, say it, believe it. And I got irritated at first because I thought, ah, it's another one of those prosperity sermons. It's just a twist on the confess and possess. That's what I thought, right? And and he went in the different direction with it. So I plagiarized the title, for sure. Um, it's arguable if I plagiarize, whether I plagiarized anything else. But uh, I'm, I'm going to say this is mine, and um, God's. But um, the importance of seeing our seeing our sin, um, and then turning. And saying, Lord, just take my, take my sin. Help me to serve. You're going to continue to sin. We're all going to continue to sin. But we have an advocate with the Father. And, um, and if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I thought when I got sick, you know, the Lord's given me three plus years now of remission. And, um, you know, and I've already, you know, I've. Technically, I'm on borrowed time, but everything still looks rock solid and good. So I'm just, I take my naps and work at a different pace than I used to. 
And um, but the um, point is that I thought when I got sick that it would make me closer to the Lord because I'm facing a reality that I have a terminal disease. And it actually kind of did the opposite. And it's kind of weird. And uh, and and it, and it it. I remember when I first got diagnosed, thinking I'm just I'm just going to I'm just going to worship the Lord, and I'm just going to focus on Him, and I'm just going to you know prepare myself for eternity. And it seemed like the harder I prepared, the less prepared I was. And it seemed like the harder I prepared, the more anxious. I became a more worried that I became. And then I had to, you know, it, 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 maybe some of you have had this kind of a, an experience or, or maybe it's just because I'm just an emotional baby. And, um, uh, but then I had to just kind of like kind of one of those, let just kind of let go and let God wash over you and trust him. And, and, uh, uh, it's a little out of context maybe, but, some would say it is, some way it isn't, but that verse in Scripture that says, um, I wrote it down, I think. It's a psalm. I'm going my chicken notes here. Maybe I didn't. Anyway, in Psalm, there's a Scripture verse that's very popular, and it says, you know, uh, be still and know that I am God. And it's been, you know, plastered on things for 50 years as a slogan not quite as bad as the born again slogans that used to circulate everywhere in the 70s and 80s but but um uh, huh you taking notes on this I'm taking notes I'll pray for you um, <laughs> but they you know in the Baptist church where I grew up in Boonville they it was one of the old churches that had the arch like this and I may have told you guys this before but is it I want to say it's like Psalm 19 something, but I don't know if that's right. Um, but they had in there in Old English, Roman, you know, the Roman, you know, the Old English lettering, be still and know that I'm God on this arch. Well, my mom led me to believe that God was telling me to sit still at church. <laughs> quit squirming around. Be still, young man, and know that I'm God. And, and, um, Tricky, wasn't that tricky? Oh, then it was, it was one of those old sanctuaries with wooden, no carpet and wooden seats and any noise, any noise. Yeah, crackle through the whole place. I passed gas on this one time, and it and it rippled through the whole church. I that was the one I can remember. Mom put me over the piano bench when we got home. That's one of the whippings I can remember. But man, I talk talk about an, uh, an echo through that old church. Rat tat 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 tat. It was funny, you know. The, the uh, um, they had these, you know, when they took communion. And I didn't figure it out for the for the longest time, because when we took communion, you had the cracker and you had the juice, and there was a glass, little glass thing that was served. It wasn't plastic like they, we use most places now. They they had a glass deal, and. And um, I used to always crack up laughing because when they, when they eat the cracker in that old, you know, there was 300 people in the church full and they're eating that cracker. You could hear that you hear them crunching. And it was funny 
That's why they always get stare down from mom. And uh, and then and then they take the juice, right? And what I always thought it was that it was their old turkey necks. There's a lot of old people in the church, and uh, those old turkey necks when they swallowed it was going. Well, and I'd laugh again, but it wasn't. I forgot. It take me. I think I was probably forty before I figured realized that it wasn't. It was the noise of that glass being set back in the little holder. Because there was no felt around it or anything like that to cushion it, so it was like, and then, but I'd laugh every time. And the funny the things you remember. Till I was forty, I was forty, and I realized I was. See, I'd been wrong all that was here. Yeah. But uh, be still and know that I am God. And I think that actually came back to me. Uh, it came back to me during my sickness, just to, you know, trust it. Now, I know that's kind of out of context. I actually think that scripture was actually meant towards, uh, it, had a, it had a warfare reference to it, I think. And God, you know, God, you know, telling the armies to be still, and I think. Yeah. But it still works. I think, I don't think it's too badly out of context to be used like that, but. That's one of those overused verses. But anyway, it was worked for me. Be still and know that I am God. And um, and when we had tests and we were entering that new world of, of special needs and Nina was super sick and, and, and everything and in ICU and all that, you know, I remember that verse coming back again. It's so important to have Scripture embedded in us. And I don't know whether anybody's getting that today. Uh, my one son, who went to Taylor University and has a degree in blah, 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 said that most of our churches, our modern churches, teach moralism in, in our, in, uh, to the children. So with me growing up, you know, and most of us, if we grew up in the church, we grew up with the flannel graph boards. You know, and a David, you know, they taught Bible stories. They didn't tell a whole Bible story, but they taught Bible stories. And they, they, we had scripture memorization. We had all this stuff that kind of stuck in your brain. But what are we sticking in our brains today? And well, it's just an interesting thought. Kind of late for us as almost senior. Some of us seniors are more senior than others. But uh, um, it's kind of late for us. We just sit back and, you know, pray for the most part. Because we're getting to the point where we're not going to affect this next generation that much. We can affect our grandkids. We can affect that culture around us. And um, I get the biggest kick out of our son Jake, or the firstborn son. They named him Israel. And of course, in you know, in these times, that could be good. It could be bad. All right. You know, we don't know what things are going to look like in ten years. I think Jesus is going to be back before then. But I'm, I'm. You know, I'm betting on Jesus returning. Who's in? Forty-six Yeah, because see, actually, you look at verse forty-six nine, you get a little better idea of the content. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. 
But I don't think it's really out of context to use it the way I used it. Would you say that's out of context, Mr. Bob? In just now. He's like me. He's sleeping dirt while he said, I'm gonna get him back. I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> Oh, you know, I have seen that. There was a an atheist lawyer that used to come into the coffee shop all the time, and she brought her own mug, and it had that verse on it. Yeah. And uh, so it always created conversations. You know, it was, you know, she brought the conversation with her. You know, and um, yeah, I, was, I forgot about that. that's true. And um, uh, but. Yeah, in the context, it actually is talking about some other things. But some verses, you know, will work. Some verses will work, period. They're just like universal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I felt like it was, too. And, um, you know, and, and when Nina went through what she went through, it was like, you know, the Lord was speaking. I am God and you are not was kind of the message that we that that came to us you know and if we allow ourselves to be transformed by and our minds renewed by the word which is oh, the romans verse be transformed by the renewing of your minds romans 12 1 and 2 yeah and um, um but if we allow ourselves to be transformed and that's you know it I used to, and I say this for, you know, we don't have too many, you know, younger people in here, but I used to, when I remember I used to open up the Word and I would ask, I would pretend when I was a new believer, um, I would I would kind of like imagine that I was sitting at Jesus' feet and He's going to teach me. And I would open up Scripture and I would read and... Um, uh, and I would just say, Lord... Teach me now as if I'm sitting at your feet. Teach me, you know, by your spirit. Show me your word. And that's how I approached scripture. And I tried to kind of uh, see myself. So if I say visualize, I'll get in trouble. <laughs> so I say imagine. And, um, um, and that, that, that helped me to put myself in a place of learning. Because we, we so quickly are like the Greeks who, quest, who seek knowledge. And Paul said that, Jews look for a sign. The Greeks search for knowledge. And man, I tell you what, that just says it. You know, and us Greeks, well, I'm a little Jew though. You knew that, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying not to. <laughs> I'm really trying. <laughs> um, um, I've got my ancestry thing. I got ready to send it off. It had a 50, it was, it had a 50, Fifty dollar off special, so I, I uh, got to send it off. I'm gonna see if I can track down any of my Jewish relatives, or if they show up in there. And uh, I, yeah, you know, I didn't want to do that because I, I don't want people knowing my business. But shoot, I'm two doors. I'm two. I'm just a couple of steps, you know, away from the grave. Anyway, I might as well. Who cares if I put out my DNA out there? What are they gonna do? Come and get me. They can have me. And so. Anyway, I—that's a whole other story. But yeah, we did—we did find out that my great-great grandmother 
had a fling with a uh, a Jewish man, and my great grandfather is was half Jewish. He was the proverbial bastard child from the 1870s, something like that. And so um, we're not foolish at all. It's just just hilarious to me. And um, uh, um, I just think it's hilarious. But we're fuller in name. But anyway, we have a, we've had a lot of fun with that. And I won't go any farther. I've already told them not to go there. Um, be transformed by the renewal. That's a good place to stop, actually. Did you pull that verse up? Yeah. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect good God, world of God. And let the Word, you know, it's just let the Word of God transform you. You only have to even know it all. You know, you know, one of the things that I learned to, to how to read Scripture, because I'm not a very smart guy. I can't put together a, a message like Pastor Chuck did or, or Bob, you know, does. And, and uh, I can't stay focused and pull all that, extrapolate all that stuff out of one verse and then just keep going verse by verse like that. I'm just, I gave up. I tried for years. Every time I had an opportunity to speak, uh, you know, I tried to be like these guys. And my brain doesn't work that way. I'm not even going to try anymore. And um, you're going to get what you get. And, um, um, but I used to read, and I tell, tell you this because I used to, I, I used to read scripture like I, and I, I used to teach young people to do the same thing because not everybody. You know, you know, there's a lot of people that whose brain out there is wired like mine that aren't. Now, Nina, she's all over the, you know, verse by verse, study every word, drives me crazy. And uh, so, so I started reading scripture, and I, what I what I did was I. Would, and I and I encourage young believers to read Scripture the same way, and that is, read it. You hit a, you hit a verse that you don't understand, or a, or a few verses you don't understand. Make a note and keep reading. Don't stop. I I liken it to taking a time test at school, like an SAT or something. What they tell you to do. They tell you to get you get to you get down to question ten or twenty, and you're all of a sudden you're stuck. Well, they do. They tell you to put a little mark behind beside it and keep going. And then when you finish the test, go back to those you had questions on, and and that's how they taught us, right? How to take us. It was a long time. Yeah, I'm sure it's still similar, you know, whether it's on a computer now or what. But you, but that's how I did scripture. Because, because what happened is the same way with those stupid timed tests, equivalency tests and stuff that we would take in school. You get down to question 20, and you're stuck. And meanwhile, the clock's running out, and you're stuck. No, you keep going. You get all the ones you can figure out. Because the Scripture, there's, I don't know, 80%, 90%, I don't know, I'm just guessing, of Scripture is kind of self-explanatory. But you get to these predestined and... 
foreordained stuff and you can get bogged down real quick and all of a sudden you can get real intellectual and high and mighty with your opinions and, and all that stuff and then you have to grow up and get out of it and, and realize it's in the Bible. You don't have to understand it. And if you do understand it, you're probably wrong. So you just keep going. And and so I've always encouraged people to read Scripture that way. You know, read. Hit a tough spot. Come back. So Jake names his... I, I actually am not leaving Israel hanging. Um, I'm coming back to Israel. They named their son Israel. Middle name Jacob. So they call him... Sometimes they just call him Jacob, Jacob. But we, we call him Is, and he goes by Is. Well, they've got a little girl that's due in May. Another Hebrew name, but, but not one you've probably heard unless you've read a lot of the Bible. And I can't tell you what it is. But if... I, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. And and I just I, all I can say this is that if she if this little girl lives up to her name... She will be fierce for God. Fierce. I mean fierce. Yeah. And and this little that name's it's only mentioned like once or twice in all he all of uh, scripture. And but she will be fierce. And then there's been artist renderings of her over the years, over the centuries and stuff. And uh, I'm that's all I can say. And uh, but uh, but uh, uh I get a kick out of them wanting to do the Hebrew name. How Jesse and Emily, they didn't, you know, they've got Everly, Isley, River, Sunny. Um, Isley, Isley, Everly, River, Sailor, Sunny. Yeah. And then Jesse, Jesse named, or Joey named their first boy Shepherd, which I like that, Shepherd. And they wanted a, they wanted a name that was a occupation. That was their idea. They wanted names or occupation. These kids today are weird, and and so. But I've gotten myself every time I see him, I want to sing that song. What is the song I want to sing? That everybody knows. Savior, like a shepherd, lead. You remember that? Got to grew up in the Baptist church. Much I need thy tender care, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, me, thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, thine we are. Savior like a shepherd lead us. Wonderful, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus, for your love for us, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that we are bad and you are good. And um, we need your goodness, Lord. We need your grace and your mercy, Lord. And um, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord, for uh, coming into our lives, Lord, for redeeming us, uh, for showing us the, our, our, who we are without you. And Jesus, we praise you, Lord, and thank you. God bless uh, the group here today. And uh, just uh, we just praise you, Jesus. Amen.